0: Welcome to Burn It All Down, flamethrowers. I am so excited to have our next guest on, G. Willow Wilson. Yes, the G. Willow Wilson. Willow is the author of the acclaimed novel The Bird King 2019, co-creator of Hugo and the American Book Award-winning comic book series Ms. Marvel, which in case you haven't heard, I don't know why you wouldn't have heard, but it's now a Disney Plus television series. She's written some of the world's best-known superhero comics, including The X-Men, Superman, and Wonder Woman. Her first novel, Aleph the Unseen, won the 2013 World Fantasy Award for Best Novel, was a finalist for the Center of Fiction's first novel prize, and was long-listed for the 2013 Women's Prize for Fiction. In 2015, she won the Graphic Literature Innovator Prize at the Penn America Literary Awards. Her work has been translated into over a dozen languages. She lives in Seattle and is a self-described Sounders fan. Welcome, Willow.
1: Thank you so much, Shireen. I'm so happy to be here.
0: Marhaba. Marhaba, <laughs> 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 بك. So let's dig into it. I am so interested in your Seattle Sounders love. Like, I will come clean, and I'll say that of all the football that I watch, MLS is not my first go-to, but you are a committed fan. What What is it with the Sounders? Let's, let's big this up a bit. Tell me about this.
1: You know, no one is more surprised than I. And and it, it really all began for me during the height of lockdown in the pandemic, sort of 2020 to 2021. Um, Seattle was the first major North American city to have community transmission of COVID-19. It was the first major outbreak in an urban area. And so I think there was a sort of collective trauma that arose from that. And so we had uh, a super strict lockdown, much more similar to what they did in Europe and parts of Asia than some of the lockdowns they did in other parts of the United States. And it went on for much longer. Um, So we were really at home, not going anywhere, including outside to parks, you know, that literally they had park equipment taped off with police tape for a huge Mm -hmm. part of 2020, 2021. Um, And I went from working more or less full time, I had a a bunch of books on my slate, uh, to getting rid of about two thirds of my professional commitments and homeschooling my kids, like a lot of people during that era, and especially a lot of women. And, you know, emotionally, it was also kind of depressing. I've worked my whole adult life. You know, I had been in a really good place professionally. I was writing for uh, Neil Gaiman in the original Sandman series. I'd been waiting literally half my life for that. And, you know, the publishing industry was in chaos. Uh, Bookstores were shutting down. Distribution methods were changing. And so this book that I'd been waiting so long to write kind of was was a little bit dead on arrival (laughs) And I was super depressed. And in the middle of this, one of my friends was like, oh, you should go watch Ted Lasso. It'll cheer you up. And I was like, no, 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 no. That's, I'm not a sports person. I don't want to, you know. And they're like, no, 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 it's really charming. So, you know, I go and I watch this series and it is charming. And what was interesting to me though, is I was like, there's not enough football in this. I became fixated on the sport aspect because I was like, how do they do that with their feet? This is crazy. I had no idea that this sport was that intricate and the parallels between soccer and what i do for a living writing superheroes were immediately apparent to me mm-hmm. you know in a superhero comic really any comic but especially in a superhero comic you are telling a lot of story using only the human body you are conveying motion conveying emotion and you know i sort of i found myself looking at the football stuff from a kind of technical perspective like oh when the foot connects with the ball versus when the ball hits the back of the net or rattles off of a post you know there's there's some movements that professional football players do that are so fast that even slowed down you have to kind of really watch to see where the transitions are and that was really interesting to me i was not expecting to be as enthralled by that as i was and so i started seeking out actual football games i sort of took to twitter and asked okay if i wanted to start Watching football/soccer. Where should I start? Because I know nothing about the various leagues and you know where they play and what the schedules are. Like, do you sort of pick a team and follow that team, or do you pick a league and follow that league? Uh, what should I do? And somebody who follows me on Twitter said words that turned out to be some of the most unexpectedly <laughs> profound and momentous words that anybody has spoken to me in the last few years, and it was. Start with your local team. Mm. I, I knew nothing about the soccer scene in Seattle. I literally was like, you know, Googling the Sounders and sort of looking up their, their social media accounts. And I just got sucked in, like literally maybe two or three days after somebody tweeted at that at me, the Sounders were playing. And so I watched, uh, you know, like my first ever Sounders game and was obsessed because, you know, not only was it a really fun game to watch, it was, it was recognizable. You know, the stadium is literally two miles from my house the people in the stands were, were Seattleites that you could see, you know, every day. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is right here. This is like literally down the street. Right. That was it. It was literally love at first sight.
0: Um, Thank you so much for sharing that. And because I, I really feel like origin stories are important. Kamala's origin story is important. Superheroes' origin stories are important. So I'm really glad you shared yours. And Part of Kamala Khan's origin story is her fandom, is her writing a fanfic. And, you know, I, we got a really great question from my co-host, Jessica, about that specific thing. Like, how do you actually feel about fandom as it relates to superheroes, EMCU and sports? It's such an important part of not only the characters you create, but the world that you're inhabiting now, the ecosystem of soccer.
1: You know, I, I think that's an absolutely fascinating question because the parallels are quite real with superheroes as with sports teams the symbol you know the crest is something eternal it's something that's usually worn by many people over time uh in the case of ms marvel uh you know she's got the lightning bolt crest and captain marvel has the lightning bolt within the star. and then you go back even further and there are other iterations of ms marvel and other iterations of captain marvel so there's an understanding in superhero fandom, that the thing that is eternal is the symbol itself, and that many people have to carry that forward over time. And when you are a Captain Marvel fan or a Ms. Marvel fan, you might have started out with a completely different iteration of that character. You might remember, um, you know, the Ms. Marvel of the 1970s, you know, or during the Carol Danvers Captain Marvel era or for you uh, you know, Kamala Khan, Ms. Marvel might be the first Ms. Marvel that you've ever encountered. And then you get to go back through time and discover the other stuff. Uh, and that is very much like following a sports team over time. The symbol is what is eternal and it's worn by many different players through different eras. Um, and really the thing that remains is the fandom itself. Uh, And this is true in in superhero comics as well, like you're, you're part of a legacy. It's not just you. So even when you're doing really well, you're also planning for your exit, and you know you're you're trying to create a transition uh, that will allow other creators who might come after you to succeed, or even other characters who might wear that badge to succeed. And that's something that immediately clicked with me coming into soccer. I was like, oh my gosh, they do so much succession planning (laughs) in exactly the same way that we do in superhero books, where you're like, okay, you know, we've got this great squad now, but what about five years from now? And, you know, how do we think about who's going to come into the coaching staff? And it's a really necessary symbiosis between the team itself and the fans who are the engine of the whole thing as they are with a superhero book, because if they stop buying the book, you no longer have a product to sell. And so that facet of sports and soccer specifically was, was just fascinating to me and very cathartic. And also when you're in that kind of team sport, whether it's literally in the case of a soccer team or figuratively on a superhero book where you're sort of one part of a machine that includes artists and letterers and colorists and editors. Um, The wins are communal, the L's are on you. (laughs) Like it's really humbling to be in that position where you're like, you know, if I mess up, I'm not gonna shove the blame onto other people. I'm not gonna expect everybody to sort of take the blame. But when we win, we bring everybody in. Um, and I was not expecting to see that much overlap between those two things and between, you know, the, the the fans in general. Like I I, it's amazing the number of comic book fans who are also sports fans who I sort of discovered in, in the course of this journey um, who also see that.
0: I didn't realize that as well until I, you know, you had been on another podcast and then I was like wait a minute why is Willow not been on our podcast <laughs> it's actually one of the things where I don't think society as a whole or like mainstream media places or whatever have explored those intersections you know Kamala Khan for a lot of people she's at those intersections like one of my biggest places of which I fan the most is Benda like Beckham because it's specifically intersections at which I never saw before a South Asian woman sport you know, I sort of talk about my connection to soccer because it's one of the places where I felt accepted and part of something that was greater than myself. And that's, you know, maybe essentially what you're talking about here is like, you talk about the wins, you take the L's, but then when you win, you take everybody with you. And when we're, the political climate right now sucks, like, let's just be on it. It's terrible. Mm -hmm. Sports can offer us some hope in a way. 100%. So
1: does
0: Kamala Khan (laughs) like yeah and she's flawed I mean she's also a teen in like Jersey City so like (laughs) obviously you know I was watching your TEDx talk you mentioned specifically there's parallel forms of anxiety in Muslims that you had also seen and there's that same type of anxiety in sports fans and in society so to really touch upon those vulnerabilities as well yeah Um, have you seen those type of vulnerabilities and being a
1: sports fan like do you find yourself vulnerable to like the stress of winning <laughs> and, and culture. Yes, I do. You know, and, and that too is unexpected. Like the highs are high, the lows are low. <laughs> and again, I think there's, there's parallels here between, between this and, and being a superhero fan, whether it's through the comics or through the movies or the shows, is that sports give you a way to externalize anxieties and also happiness it's sort of a vessel to carry both your, your, your fears and your hopes at the same time. When we can spread them around, it's very cathartic. And I think that's why, especially as you pointed out at this moment in history, when so much is on the line, so much feels unstable, there's so much uncertainty, um, being able to share those anxieties and hopes becomes extra essential. You know, I, I wonder if that's why we're seeing this heightened, Focus and, and and heightened sort of emotion around things like the Marvel Cinematic Universe or you know the comic books and sports as well um, is because this is a very high emotion period of history, and so those outlets become more essential. And you know, you were talking about, and I thought this was a really good observation that we see pieces of ourselves in different things and different people. Uh, That might be not be totally representative of all of our experience, and yet at the same time, there's a connection that we might not have expected like oh you know I've never been, uh, you know, like a teenager in Jersey City, but I sure know how that feels, you know I think that's incredibly valuable now when we are so fragmented to be like oh you know this isn't my story, but I see a piece of myself in this and now I feel invested in a team or a group of people or a superhero that I might've felt had nothing to do with me in the past. And, you know, like Kamala Khan being a fangirl was super, super important for that very reason that she starts out as one of us, you know, she has the same anxieties, she has the same highs and lows and hopes and fears, and, you know, the same enthusiasm for the sorts of things that the readers do. Um, So, you know, even if you're not, a teenage Pakistani American girl growing up in Jersey city, which is a very specific, obviously uh, identity, you've been that person at the convention, you know, worrying about uh, wardrobe malfunctions with your costume that you made at home the night before and, you know, trying to fit in with peers. So, you know, like that, that relatability I think is what makes her such a a touchstone for so many people that, you know, are never gonna have superpowers (laughs) and yet have been that teenage person with posters up on their wall saying like, at least I can dream. We're all dreaming. (laughs) And it's nice when we can dream together. And that's really what fandom is.
0: Yeah. That's, that's beautiful. So if Kamala Khan was going to be an MLS fan, would she be a New York city FC fan? Oh,
1: I have had conversations about this. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I, Sana and I talked about way back in the day before I got into soccer, what, sports teams she might or might not be a fan of. And we settled on probably hockey, uh, probably a devil's fan. And actually in the video game, the Avengers video game of which she is a main POV character, she's shown on the train coming back from, it's never said that it's a devil's game, but ostensibly <laughs> a devil's game. But we, I had this conversation with some some fans on Twitter and I was like, I don't know. This is my prejudice showing. But both of the New York teams who play in New Jersey, but are not New Jersey teams, are kind of very sort of corporate FCs. And I was like, I don't know, can I make her an NYC FC fan? Like, you know, obviously, I, I no longer write the series. She's safely in other hands. If they want to make that call, that's up to them. But in my head, I think if she were to be an MLS fan, she'd have to be a Philadelphia Union fan. That's way more her scene, I think, than either of the New York, but technically New Jersey teams. But with that said, I have to add the caveat that I am no longer in a position to say one way or the other, whether these things are canon. So take everything I say with a grain of salt.
0: I love this. And I mean, let's not rule out phf yes. you know, the women's hockey league she could be a metropolitan riveters fan but the fact that you just said that she's probably into hockey i love all of this and it makes me more connected to her because like hockey is not a place where we see a lot of people like her which is also like true to form and and gotham fc that's you women know, women's, right. women's yep. soccer she could be that but i love that because it's where you wouldn't expect her to be is exactly where she
1: is it's exactly where she is
2: Every deep playoff run starts with building an amazing team. Doing the same for your business doesn't take a room full of scouts. You just need Indeed. Don't spend hours on multiple job sites looking for candidates with the right skills when you can do it all with Indeed. Hate waiting? Indeed's US data shows over 80% of Indeed employers find quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job. Visit Indeed.com slash BlueWire to start hiring today. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application pricing not available for everyone. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
0: So I just want to just touch back upon your fandom while we're talking about this. So getting in... To MLS in the height of COVID. They were coming off an incredibly successful season, one MLS, the MLS Cup in 2019, went to the finals in 2020, and are sort of like you came in on a high when everyone's on a high. Oh, yeah. And where are you right now? How are you guys doing the season?
1: <laughs> oh, I am still on a high. Um <laughs> <laughs> so in May, the Sounders became the first MLS team of the modern era to win the CONCACAF Champions League final. And I was at that game Okay. and I'm going to spend a long time chasing that high. I have to tell you, <laughs> I mean, that was really incredible. And you're absolutely right. Like, uh, you know, would I feel another way if, if I came in when we were doing really poorly, I don't know, maybe, I mean, like it's, it's to me, the the, the human drama and the investment is still there even when we lose and, and are doing poorly. And, you know, like I was very pleased to find that, I don't know if this is soccer fans in general or MLS fans in general or Seattle fans specifically, but you know, whenever there's like a bad call or we lose or something immediately, there is a, this ref made the wrong call. Here's a graph, you know, here's a diagram, (laughs) here's some math, Uh, you know, like to show why this call was ridiculous or why we should have had, this should have been a penalty or whatever, you know, which I love, but yeah. Oh my gosh. To be in a stadium with like 70,000 other people and the thing that nobody thought was possible is happening in front of your eyes and it's getting dark and everybody turns on the flashlights on their phones and it's just, oh my God, magical. Absolutely magical.
0: I can, I can feel that scene
1: as you're describing it. Yeah. You can probably see, I mean, obviously the listeners can't see this, (laughs) but I have the, uh, the scarf from that game. And, uh, you know, like coming off that high, it was it was tough to sort of get back into league play, but now we're just destroying it. Knock on wood, we have a game tonight. But uh, it's a really cool group of people. And I'm sure everybody thinks this about their team and the fans, but um, it, it, it really is special. Even when we're not doing well, that, that sense of community is still there.
0: And I, I love that you just said that community because that's really what a lot of teams and grassroots, you know, fan groups do. You know, I'm wondering... As somebody who doesn't shy away from identity or a Muslim woman who's in this space and in a way public facing because of the work you do and, you know, with the characters you help create and what you write about and the ethos behind that. Have you found that to be an easy transition into the sports world? Because sometimes sports can be a very unforgiving place for people on the margins.
1: Yeah. No, I I haven't found that yet. <laughs> Um, you know, is is it still a honeymoon phase? I don't know. But I mean, this is the impression I get. I think the fact that soccer or football globally has been such an overtly political game since its inception. I mean, literally, you know, there've been ultras who've been a part of national liberation movements. You know, I was, uh, I was watching the CAF finals, which is the, the African champions league you know, because whoever, whoever wins that is going to play the Sounders in any theoretical club World Cup games that will happen, who knows when. And the winners of that was with Ed FC from Morocco. And so I was kind of Googling them very, you know, very basically. And my jaw was on the floor because, you know, this club had literally been part of the push for Moroccan independence way the way back in sort of the, the middle of the 20th century. And, you look all over the world and, and soccer or football clubs have always had some sort of political angle to them because they are such an enmeshed, usually part of the local community where they are based. Mm -hmm. So I feel like that's carried over into soccer in the U S in a way that it hasn't for other sports who have been politically neutral, you know, have been like, we're not going to get involved. Whereas you see a lot of soccer clubs being like, We're going to say something, you know, like if something happens, whether it's the Supreme Court ruling, you know, that came down recently regarding Roe versus Wade, you know, or Black Lives Matter or anything else, you see clubs making official statements. And obviously, you know, like not being deeply involved in other sports, I can't say categorically, oh, this never happens in American football Mm -hmm. or whatever. But I know just sort of having watched what unfolded in sports specifically regarding the Black Lives Matter movement here in the United States. That there certainly is more resistance, it seems like, in other sports to being overtly political.
0: And I think in some ways, and uh, I'm by no means an authority on this, I always have deferred to Brenda. You know, she's our resident expert on soccer. I mean, I talk a lot of global, but with men's soccer in the United States, it's still growing. Um, I will actually be in Portland in the end of September. Maybe you can come to Portland and we can go to a Timbers game together.
1: Oh, Timbers game. No, no?
0: Okay. I'm like, what if I'm <laughs> oh, in yeah. Seattle, though? That
1: would be fantastic. That would be hilarious. No, yeah, I would love that. I would love to go to a soccer game with you. And, you know, like as you're talking, I'm realizing too, that we're, we're sort of giving short shrift to the women's game in the US, which does not shy from anything, you know, the, uh, the NWSL and some of the you know, smaller local clubs. Oh my gosh, you know, we have oil brain here in Seattle, they don't even need to be prodded. They don't wait for the fans to start bothering them on Twitter. They're just all the way out there being proactively a place for advocacy. Um, you know, not just for women in sports but but for everybody who uh, lives on the margins and it, it's just amazing, you know, to see that level of advocacy from from a sports group. but i have to I have to really take my hat off to the women's teams here in the United States who are yeah, absolutely on the forefront. I didn't uh,
0: want to get into women's soccer with you because I'm like a long, hard thorns fan like. <laughs> Christine Sinclair, like, oh, like I mean, I was like, my scarf is right Uh-oh. over there, right over there, and I was like, do I say that to her? I mean, it's nothing that I haven't oh, said. Yeah. I don't
1: know. It's you know, we might be on different teams, sort of on a lowercase level, but on an uppercase level, we're definitely on the same side. And you know what? <laughs> I would
0: love to come and go see a Seattle Storm game with you. Wouldn't that be amazing? Have you connected with the W yet? There's a lot of
1: superheroes in that league, so like- oh my gosh, yes the fact that we have this amazing women's basketball team and no men's basketball team in Seattle (laughs) at a professional level, in any case is fascinating because a lot of people who I think, you know, we're Sonics fans are now storm fans and super into the team and follow the team. Even if they don't follow other women's teams, they are super into the storm. Um, So that's really cool. I have not been to a game, but I would love to go with somebody like you who is more knowledgeable about the game of basketball because I'd be watching as somebody without any technical knowledge of the sport who's just sort of like there to absorb it all. That would be really amazing.
0: Yeah, like I think that experience of the W is is phenomenal we don't have a team. We don't have any domestic women's leagues in in Canada for hockey, soccer or basketball, which is a shame. Um, And all of our people go down to the United States. I mean, like I just think, you know, I was like a New York Liberty fan because of Keanu. So the Canadian connection, the Yukon connection. I'm a huge Yukon basketball fan. Um, and now I'm like, I love Chicago Sky because Azure Stevens has been on our show before and I love her dearly. I just, I want the game to win. I want women's basketball yeah. to win. And I want a team to come to Toronto and I want to go to Seattle and visit you. And um, I did get one really cool question from somebody on Twitter when I put a call out. And if you could pick five aside from Marvel characters for a football game, a soccer game, what would be the two teams that went up against
1: each other? Oh my goodness. So I saw this, I saw that question and I was like, that's really good. And I also saw that they said specifically, no polymorphs in goal. You can't have somebody who can just stretch themselves out to fill up the whole goal. Well, it's a fair point. It's a fair point, but they left a gaping hole in this logic because they did not say no telepaths in goal. (laughs) So... I would put Jean gray in goal. There would be no such thing as scoring a penalty. She would always know which way the striker was going to go. There would be none of the Spenanka business. (laughs) She would get the ball every single time. So I actually, I only did one five aside. I didn't come up with like the bad guy side. Okay. Give it to me in goal. We have Jean Mm gray for defenders. We would have Colossus and iron man for very obvious reasons. Nobody's getting through those guys. Uh, nobody will even try to get past them because, you know, a sliding tackle from one of those and your playing career, probably your life is over. Um, so that in the midfield, we'd want Captain Marvel. We'd want Carol Danvers because in midfield, you need a tactician who is mm-hmm. both smart and fast mm-hmm. and strong. And she is all of those things. And for a striker, I picked Quicksilver uh, because fast. <laughs> mm-hmm. If I was going to root for a side, that would be the side I'd pick. That's that's my ideal starting five. Um, it would be re- really fun to go back through and do like a villain's five aside, but I haven't had time to think that went through. But if I think of some, I'll put it on Twitter and I'll tag you guys. Like this is, this is the villains five aside. I love
0: everyone you suggested. Um, Jean Grey is like, you nailed it there. I'm like, this game is over before it started. Nothing
1: is getting through. <laughs>
0: the only thing I might say is I might put Black Widow as striker as an assassin. Ooh, An assassin. I like that. So, I mean, I, you know, fast, hundred percent Quicksilver, but I'm like, because of the aggressive way that the training and the mentality.
1: No, you know what? I think you're, You're right, because this is, you know, this is thus far a very defensively minded five. Mm. And so you really do need an assassin style striker who is like hiding just sort of off the shoulder of the defender and then bam, goes, comes out of nowhere. Because
0: you're right about Carol Denver's being the playmaker and the engine and the like the brains of the operation. But, you know, the striker usually finishes off the plan.
1: A little bit stealthier. Stealthier. No, I like that. I'm going to. Yes, you are 100 percent correct.
0: Let's amend this. I'm just going to make this our full-time job now to just create five sides and then have them play each other in my head. That's perfect. Um, And last thing, what's your favorite food? And if you're going to ask the Seattle Sounders to offer it in the stadium.
1: I, if I had to choose one, you know, like I could be fancy and be like, oh, it's this like, you know, a very niche dish or whatever. But honestly, it's, it's an ice cream sundae.
0: Oh, I love that.
1: One scoop of vanilla, one scoop of cookie dough. And then on top, chocolate sauce, but the good kind, like actual fudge, pecans, whipped cream, cherries, the whole thing. Because it's sort of like, it's all of the textures. It's all of the flavors. Mm. But uh, I'm, I'm sure there must be. High quality ice cream somewhere at Lumen. I have to say, usually when I go, I go with my kids. We sit in the Southwest section, which is near the supporters section. And that area right outside where we sit has Dippin' Dots, but no real ice cream. Oh, Dippin' Dots. Dippin' Dots, the classic stadium food. So my kids are now obsessed with dip and dots, but that doesn't cut it for me. I need I need the full Sunday experience.
0: And I loved how specific you were I just have to say this. You're somebody for whom details are like I see that they're important to you. I also say that you said pecans, which is incredible because they're very different. Yeah. Elevated.
1: If it's peanuts or it's walnuts, it changes the experience. Yeah, no,
0: walnuts and pecans cannot be interchanged. Like they're two very different. They cannot. They're my favorite of the tree nuts. That's so funny you say that because it's the same with me. And I I come from like Pakistan and and Afghanistan. So like, I'm supposed to say cashews. Cashews would be number two for me. But not
1: on a Sunday though, right? Like not on a Sunday. Not on a Sunday. They have that very forward Mm. flavor. Very meaty. But I love cashews. Yeah.
0: Very, yeah. Just wanted to thank you um, for being on Burn It All Down and talking all these beautiful things and sharing your wisdom and your insights. And We talk a lot of soccer on this show and have appreciated at different levels. We, you know, burn down the systems that exist and then to have you come and share your light to lift up some of the happiness. So your story is one that I love. And then I'll think about when I'm like, I hate soccer politics are terrible. But then remind me, (laughs) remind me of why this is so beautiful and important. So thank you for being on Burn It All Down.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Shereen. This has been a
0: delight. That's all for this episode of Burn It All Down. This episode was produced by Tressa Versteeg. Shelby Weldon is our web and social media wizard. Burn It All Down is a part of the Blue Wire podcast network. Follow Burn It All Down on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Listen, subscribe, and rate the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and tune in. For show links and transcripts, check out our website, burnitalldownpod.com. You'll also find a link to our merch at our bonfire store. And of course, thank you, thank you, thank you to our patrons. Your support means the world to us. And if you want to become a sustaining donor to our show, visit patreon.com slash burn it all down. We could not do this without you. Burn on and not out.